Jean Piaget is the second most referenced psychologist of the 20th century, second only to B.F. Skinner and slotting in just above Sigmund Freud. The Swiss psychologist is responsible for the most studied theory of human development in the history of psychology. Piaget charted the development of the child from infancy to adolescence and distinguished four critical phases in human growth. These phases have been tested and retested with everyone from Amazonian tribes and Swedish schoolchildren to Iranians, Zambians and Australian Aborigines. After decades of intense cross-cultural research, there is a wealth of evidence pointed to the universal and cross-cultural nature of these stages. In reviewing this evidence, one group of authors state in their textbook that cultural settings sometimes alter the rate of development, or an emphasis on certain aspects of the stages, but not the stages themselves or their cross-cultural validity. The exception to this is the fourth stage formal operational. It seems that not all individuals reach this stage of development. This is the stage associated with rationality and hypothetical deductive thinking, and thus understandably the stage might not be as emphasised across all cultures. In this episode, we're going to give a basic overview of this system, as it will be a system of reference that we return to again and again in future videos. Piaget has laid the foundation for all developmental psychology, and his success is one of the testaments to the success of the field. Given the weight of evidence behind it and the universal subject matter, it is more than worthy of our investigation. The first stage lasts from the ages of zero to two years and is called sensory motor. Another way of thinking of this stage is as the time between birth and the acquisition of language. The sensory motor stage, the experience of the infant is one of total disillusion in the environment. There is nothing that is not the child. The physical world and the self are one. This is why the game of peekaboo is so exciting for infants, because when you hide your face, you are genuinely not there. You've literally disappeared from the world, since the world is just everything that the child is experiencing through their senses at that moment. The work of the sensory motor phase is the slow and steady separation of the physical self from the environment. As Piaget puts it, it is through a progressive differentiation that the internal world comes into being and is contrasted with the external. Between the fourth and ninth month, this state of total disillusion gives way to the emergence of a physical body self. The infant bites her thumb and it hurts. She bites the blanket and it doesn't. The infant is mapping out the boundaries between their body and the physical world. As these two realms of the self and other become distinct, they begin, as Piaget says, by remaining very close to each other. The world is still conscious and full of intentions. The self is still material, so to speak and only slightly interiorized. At every stage, there remain in the conception of nature what we might call adherences, fragments of internal experience which still cling to the external world. These so-called adherences are magical holdovers and include things like animism and anthropocentrism. These adherences hang on long after the sensory motor phase has faded away. Even children of seven or eight take it for granted that the clouds, the sun and the moon are following them about on their walks. It never crosses their minds, because thinking from the perspective of others doesn't develop till later, that the heavenly bodies must also follow other people around. The defining characteristic of these adherences is egocentrism, the child's inability to transcend their own perspective and understand that they are not the centre of the world. The course of development, then, is a slow progression from the dissolved egocentrism of sensory motor to the ever-broadening capacity to take other perspectives in the later stages. The magical worldview of the infant 
doesn't disappear overnight, but becomes progressively less and less as development continues through the stages beyond sensory motor. But if all goes well, by the end of two years, the infant is moving beyond the sensory motor stage, having arrived at object permanence, the understanding that physical objects exist independently of them. And with that, the game of peekaboo loses its magical allure. The second stage is the pre-operational stage, also known as pre-op, and this is usually when the child is between 3 and 7 years old. It's called pre-operational because even though the child now has a mental world of language, they are still unable to perform operations mentally. They can't understand concrete logic and they can't mentally manipulate information. Consequently, they have trouble seeing things from different points of view, i.e. their thinking is still egocentric. The pre-operational stage has two phases. The first is called the symbol function substage. In this substage, the child can think in images and symbols. They develop the ability to hold objects in their minds that aren't present. If you ask them to think of a pink elephant, they can now do that. Second substage of pre-op is the intuitive thought substage. This is the stage when the child's curiosity goes crazy. They start asking why a lot as they try in earnest to understand the world. According to Piaget, magical thinking continues to dominate the early pre-op period between the ages of 2 and 4. Up to the age of 4 to 5, the child thinks that he is forcing or compelling the moon to move. The relation takes on an aspect of dynamic participation or of magic. From 4 to 5, he is more inclined to think that the moon is trying to follow him. The relation is animistic. Closely akin to this participation is magical causality. The subject regards his gestures, his thoughts, or the objects he handles as charged with efficacy. Thus, a certain word acts upon a certain thing. A certain gesture will protect one from a certain danger. A certain white pebble will bring about the growth of water lilies, and so on. As the child moves from the early pre-op phase of two to four years into the late pre-op phase of four to seven years, this belief in magic rapidly falls away. The child loses faith that they can control the world. This belief doesn't disappear, however, but is projected onto authority figures. I can't change the world, but Daddy or God or the Volcano Spirit can. No longer do the clouds obey us at a distance. Now they move because God or other men make them move. The stage that follows pre-op is called Concrete Operational, or CONOP, which usually occurs between the ages of 7 and 11. The CONOP stage gets its name from the child's developing ability to do concrete operations in their mind. This means that the child is beginning to use logical thought. The concrete in concrete operational refers to the fact that this newfound logic can only be applied to physical objects. The ability to think abstractly will only emerge in the next stage with formal operation. Children at this CONOP stage are capable of using inductive logic but not deductive logic. That is to say that they can reason from specific events to a general principle, but they can't figure out what's going to happen in a specific moment based on the general principle. This means that the CONOP child is going to use trial and error to solve a problem, while the adolescent at formal operational is more likely to use hypotheses and abstract logic, i.e. deductive reasoning. The other big step forward at CONOP is the ability to take multiple perspectives. And with this leap forward, the child moves from an egocentric perspective into a sociocentric one, in which they appreciate that other people have their own thoughts and perspectives, even if at this stage they are unable to know what that perspective might be. The Three Mountains task is one of Piaget's famous experiments that displays just this development. The researchers took a group of kids between 4 and 12 years old, and they showed them a playset that had a toy doll and three clay mountains, each one of the mountains being a different colour. 
Then they ask the kids some simple questions. What do you see? What does the doll see? The typical response of a child at the second stage, pre-op, was to say that the doll was still seeing the same thing as they were. They would say this even if the child was looking at the green mountain and the doll was looking at the red one. The pre-op child doesn't understand that there are different perspectives involved. As we move further into pre-op, we see the ability to take multiple perspectives developing. The child will realise that the doll has a different perspective, though they will be unable to tell you what that is. This capability develops fully with Kana. The child at this stage will tell you, I'm looking at all three mountains, but the doll is only looking at the green one. This task and ones like it confirm the general conclusion. It is with the emergence of concrete operation that the child can transcend their egocentric perspective and take the perspective of the other. The final stage of Piaget's developmental sequence is known as the formal operational stage or FORMAP, which we find in children over 11 and entering adolescence. And with this stage we see the flowering of reason. The nature of FORMAP reasoning transcends the concrete thinking of CANAP. The FORMAP child slash adolescent can now perform mental operations not just on concrete physical objects but on abstractions. This is the emergence of a rigorous reason, the use of deductive reasoning, of hypothesizing. The FORMAP individual is experimental and relies on evidence to settle issues. The ability to take multiple perspectives into account also takes major leaps forward. The FORMAP individual can now take multiple perspectives fully into account and can grapple with relativity as we see in another one of Piaget's experiments. In a set of experiments, a snail moves along a board, which itself is moving along a table. Only children at the formal operation stage can understand the distance which the snail travels relative to the board and to the table. Here we find the intellectual equipment necessary for conceptions of relativity. That time taken or space travelled cannot be absolute, but must be measured relative to some arbitrary point. Along with this increased breadth of thinking capacity, we see a broadening of the identity in FORMAP, as well as moving fully away from the egocentric and ethnocentric slash sociocentric identity of the earlier stages, and into a more global, pluralistic perspective. FORMAP is non-anthropocentric. It is this shift from the egocentric and sociocentric worldview that we see in the stereotypical idealistic adolescent, who is passionate about combating issues of global importance. They have moved away from identity with their family and their tribe, and they are beginning to take a broader perspective and to question who they are and what their place is in the world. These are the basics of Jean Piaget's psychological developmental sequence. His theories have been immensely influential in the field of psychology, even if he is no longer centre stage. His work has been developed by many more theorists in many more fields. Many of these theorists have gone beyond Piaget in proposing post-formal operational levels. The most notable example of this is the Model of Hierarchical Complexity, or MHC, developed by Michael Commons, which simplified and expanded Piaget's stages into a mathematical measure of task complexity. The MHC posits another four levels beyond FORMAP, systematic, metasystematic, paradigmatic and cross-paradigmatic. As well as this, there is also the work of Lawrence Kohlberg, who mapped out the moral development of children off of Piaget's work and looked at the development of morality from pre-conventional to conventional and finally post-conventional stages. Then you have the work of people like Ken Wilber, who not only synthesises the work of many thinkers in positing a number of levels beyond FORMAP, but also works with the ontogenetic versus phylogenetic distinction. 
which is to say that he looks at the analogous historical development of humanity as a whole, the phylogenetic, and maps over Piaget's ontogenetic or individual stages onto it. So you have the emergence of Formap with the scientific revolution, and for that you have the mythic Conop thinking of medieval society, and so on back to the tribal past of humanity. We will be looking at Wilbur's take on Piaget in the next episode, as we look at how he applies the work of Piaget to argue that spiritual experiences are post-formal Piaget stages of development. That's everything that I wanted to cover on this episode of The Living Philosophy. If you've enjoyed it, please give us a thumbs up down below, and if you're new to the channel, you might like to subscribe. And if you have any thoughts, insights, or feedback, I'd love to hear from you down in the comments. Otherwise, I shall see you next time. Thank you for watching.